Friends, here's the larger picture, as I understand it, in broad brushstrokes. Creation implies a creator. Everything we take in with our senses does not explain itself. It and we came into existence, and we will all go out of existence. We and all of creation depend on an I that is not dependent. An eye that is existence itself, life itself, the source of all that is. I am who am is a strange name this source used to refer to himself at the burning bush with Moses. This source we call God created all that is and called it good and stamped human beings with his image and likeness. He gave them the whole of creation to rule over and one another to relate to according to his wise and loving designs. Their unique dignity lay in the image they bore and the task they were given, which necessarily involved bending all their decisions to match his wise and loving designs. The freedom with which we're created finds its fulfillment not in choosing whatever he wants, but in the decisions that mirror his wisdom and love. But freedom, by its very nature, can be misspent and misused. Tasks or chores can be ignored, responsibilities can be shirked, and human beings can fail to achieve our exalted dignity and mission. And to step away from life, wisdom, Love itself cannot be without consequences. We really do have freedom, and how we use it really does matter. We experience this in our own families when misspent freedom emerges. This is captured in the mystical account of Adam and Eve's fall, right, where they stepped away from God to we can do it on our own. And immediately what happened? Pain suffering and death entered into the world, as well as a fracturing of relationships between them, Adam and Eve, and God, between them and creation, between Adam and Eve, and a fracturing of their own identity, not knowing who in fact they were or what life's about. But a good God wouldn't leave his creation to utter failure, nor would he destroy it. No, this is the tale, the drama, the adventure the Bible tells. God is faithful, and he reassures Adam and Eve that he will not abandon humanity, but he made a promise to set things right. This promise became more concrete with Abraham, with the promised covenants, and the descendants that would be as numerous as the stars above, as well as a promise of an heir that would establish justice, who would do the work of setting things right. That's the one prophesied in our first reading, a righteous shoot of King David, who himself will be a king, a political figure who shall reign and govern wisely, doing what is just and right. The Lord our justice will be his name. To this end, God called a people to be light in a dark world. They were given the commandments and right worship so that they might shine forth the renewed humanity. Here's what God had in mind for human beings. 
living justly, honorably, and religiously. But the darkness in the world clung to the chosen people too. Their works of the law became a way not to distinguish them for their justice, but as a way to separate the Jews from the Gentiles, from everyone else. God chose us. He didn't choose any of you. That's the enmity and the dividing wall separating the two, the Gentile and the Jew, that Paul mentioned in our second reading. Those called to be the renewed humanity needed themselves to be renewed. And this is when God did the most unexpected thing. He himself kept both sides of the covenant. He didn't say, your choices don't matter, but I will accept responsibility for all of your misspent freedom by becoming one of you. God didn't destroy us or cancel us, but out of pity for the flock of humanity that lost its way and identity and purpose, God became a human being. In the person of Jesus Christ, the just requirements of the law have been fulfilled and humanity has been renewed. Those who are in him, who've been baptized into him, like all of you, are now a new creation. Heaven and earth have come together. Peace with God and with one another is actually possible, though it's not inevitable. For we remain free beings with the capacity to resist Jesus or to collaborate with him in setting things right and establishing the justice which clearly doesn't originate in our fallen world as our politics daily demonstrate. We, on our own, cannot get things right. No, true justice has something to do with being here. It has something to do with acknowledging that we are dependent beings, which the bread signifies will die if we don't have sustenance, and which the underlying substance signifies. Without me, you have no life within you. True justice has something to do with allowing God to teach us and to nourish us in his Son, in whom heaven and earth have been reconciled. That, it seems, is the fruit of the pity Christ felt for the people without the shepherd in our gospel. A people that must include you and me for we too are nourished by that same fruit, which was given not just for our own sakes, but for the sake of the whole world. Pity, compassion, love, we have all received. Pity, compassion, and love, we are to give.